Welcome to the Happy Pill Podcast. I'm Ursula Yerdun. In each episode, you're going to hear me share my story while offering information and resources while you continue on your journey of surpassing the effects of abuse and depression. I'm going to be doing some interviews with some very special guests who are going to share their journey and processes because my way is not the only way of healing. And the more information we have, the more we can share with one another. My hope is that you find love, inspiration, and purpose for your life. So let's get started. Thank you so much for coming back to the Happy Pill Podcast. I have my first guest, which I am so excited to have. This is Melanie Haggard. Hi. Hi. (laughs) There she is. She is an RACRMT, which basically says she's a registered acupuncturist, registered massage therapist, and a traditional Chinese medicine doctor. So honestly... I am so glad that she is here because Melanie, being brave and being awesome and being beautiful as she is, uh, she is gratefully here to share her story of anxiety, which is amazing. Um, And so I'm really privileged to have you here with that. So she's going to share her story of anxiety, the effects of it on her life and her body and her family. Uh, We're going to discuss that because it's really important information. And again, you never know, right? Uh, Then in the next part, Mel is going to talk and share her knowledge and wisdom about traditional Chinese medicine and sound vibrational therapy. This is what I was talking about in the introduction. This is really interesting information and how all of this can have a positive effect on people dealing with anxiety and depression and other physical ailments. So thank you, my friend, for coming and joining. Well, thank you for having me. I'm like absolutely honored that I'm your first guest, like blown away. Really? Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> God, that's awesome. So thanks. And this is out of my comfort zone as well. So which which is totally cool. And which I is just, good. It's good. It's good to push yourself a little bit, right? It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't. Well, and the thing is, you're so encased in all this foam and everything that I've got going on around you, which is just hilarious. I'm actually it. comfy in this little cubby hole. It's good. Really? <laughs> yeah. It's okay. Well, I've got the picture to prove it. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> this is great. So once again, I thank you. This is going to be exciting. My listeners are going to be, they're just going to be so impressed with your information. So, The first thing um, is that I wanted to say is that just share what you feel safe in sharing. Okay. Right? Absolutely. It's always about your safety. And if something doesn't work for you, then we can just take it out or you can just say, hey, need to stop. Whatever. It's what you feel safe in sharing. No worries. Awesome. Okay. So the first question that I got for you is, why do you want to tell your story? Um, I find my story probably really relatable. Um, The more I've been working in clinic with patients the more I see their anxiety stories and their depression stories and their trauma stories. And I think, I don't know, growing up in like where we grew up here, Canada, even being safe, we still have so much anxiety and depression going on. Right. Um, and my story isn't any more different, worse, better than anybody else. We're just all different. Um, and my path for where it's led me now is the reason why I'm here. Um, I didn't know I really had some huge anxiety, um, until let's say a few years ago, actually, after when I went through school, um, had to write my provincial board exams and, or the Canadian national exam now. 
and thought, okay, I've written tests for three years. I got this covered, sat down in my first exam, got my paper. I forgot my name. Absolute blank. Wow. So three years of hard, hard study down the tubes. I knew I failed right at that moment. And I did. Yeah, I waited for like eight weeks, got my marks. And of course I failed. So it felt like I let myself down. I let everyone else around me down. Um, Yeah, it was pretty huge. Pretty much one of the biggest failures of my life. Oh, wow. Okay. So before we even get into that, because that was like the pinnacle. That was the pinnacle. Right. That was the absolute pinnacle for you. So let's let's go back and see how all of this had started. Mm. Right. And so this is now, we're kind of going back into your childhood, right? So because basically all this stuff starts in childhood. It does. It starts with usually some trauma. Right. um, Which is usually some abuse, whether it's mental, physical. Right. Um, After, yes, failing this exam, I knew I had to fix it. So I did. I went for counseling for a year. Awesome. Um, to delve into why this is happening and found out, yeah, it was all childhood. It was all childhood. Right. Okay. So just for yeah. my listeners, if you're hearing the banging and stuff like that, it's because we're kind of hitting the table and we're kind of hitting some chords and, and chairs and stuff like that. So that's just the background noise. It's no big deal. It's going to happen because as we talk, we move. That's what I do. I'm a hand mover. Yeah, me right? too. So, um, <laughs> so now that you recognize that, <clears throat> that it started in your childhood, let's start there. Let's start, um, start with your family because you're from where? I'm from Southern Alberta. Um, outside, I grew up on a farm outside of Black Diamond. Um, beautiful country, beautiful scenery. It's in the foothills. Beautiful. Everyone was like, now that they know if that's where I'm from, they're like, oh my God, it's the most beautiful place. And yes, it is. Um, growing up on a farm is a tough life. Um, it's very physical jobs all the time. Um, parents are obviously self-employed. So there's just lots of stress on being a hard worker. Right. Hard so work, hard work, hard work. So it's about grinding, grinding, grinding. This yes. is just farm life, just grinding, grinding, grinding yep. your way through. Okay. Um, and yeah, no, no emotions really let loose except for happy in my family. Um, so if you were sad or whatever, and I just read something the other day about if kids have tummy aches because they're nervous about going somewhere, it's actually not their tummy, it's anxiety. Oh. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, totally relatable. Um, I had because a stomach experience as a child, as a, yeah, as a child, I had a stomach ache probably every single morning of my life from kindergarten on up and would wow. tell my mom, Oh my God, my tummy's upset. And she just thought I had to poop, but it wasn't, it was absolute full on anxiety right from like four years old from when I went to kindergarten. Okay. So this is interesting. So now we're, let's look at four years old because what was happening at four years old that you as a four year old girl would have such anxiety already. I haven't, honestly, I don't really remember. I just remember being nervous about going to school, about what I was going to have, like what was going to happen that day. And this Um, would have been preschool already. And this was, no, it would have been, I started kindergarten early. Okay. Um, I was a large child. (laughs) Large Large child. Everyone thought I was way older than I am. Okay. Um, Okay. Which maybe there's some anxiety into that because I had like huge expectations on me, um, because my siblings are all 15, 16, and 17 years older than me, and my nieces and nephews were all the same age. Okay, so hang on. Let's back. Okay, so you were you were an accident sort of? Oh, you I was a menopause of... baby for sure. A menopause baby? Yeah. Okay, I've never heard that term actually. Oh, it's, it's when women get up into their 40s, they don't think they can get pregnant, and they do. It's right. really common. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Between the ages of 39 and 42, it's very common. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So you were uh, a late child. Well, let's just put it that way. Yeah. And so your siblings, at least a decade and a half older than you. Yeah. And that, that must've had a factor on you. Absolutely. Right from the get go. It was like, I was growing up with four sets of parents. 
because my siblings, wow, the two oldest ones were having kids. I have a nephew older than me. So it was like, I didn't think it was as dysfunctional as I ever thought. I thought it was normal. But yeah, it was like really strange growing up with four really sets of parents, always everyone telling you what to do because you're a little kid. Right. So they're kind of imposing their versions of parenting on you. Absolutely. But I also got treated different in my family than my nieces and nephews because they were the grandkids, didn't have to do a lot of things, but I did because I was a daughter. Oh, wow. So like really weird. So it was like I had to yeah look after them Um, and not in a bad way. It was just like it was just imposed that I was older couple years older and that I was, you know, either the responsible one, whatever, whatever. So I had chores and everything else to do and they didn't, they came and always had fun. Wow. So it was like, they were allowed to go out and play after dinner and I had to help clean up, which right. is fine. But you know, looking back, it's like, oh, that's kind of a weird dichotomy going on. Cause we're all the same age. Well, absolutely. And, and so you weren't treated as a child. You no. were actually treated more as, um, like a young adult. Yeah, right from, I don't remember being treated much as a child always. Like I was just talked to as an adult. And I had, yeah, huge anxiety because of course as a child you screw up and you make mistakes. And I remember at a young age writing in my weird little diary that I just wanted to die. I was done. Wow, what? Yeah, yeah, it was huge. And I remember like wanting to just fade away. And how old were you when that was going on? This was pre-pubescent, so probably about nine eight, nine years old. Yeah. Wow. Whether, cause my brother was mean to me. I mean, he's 15 years old than me. So he was in his twenties, you know, living at home. And I grew up in a very Eastern European traditional farm family. And my sisters were often married and my brother was home and he got married and lived across the yard. So yeah. So, I mean, all of that going on is strange to being a child. Um, that, that would be strange. Yeah. yeah. So again, I think all of that expectation on me just to, you know, be responsible. And I was such an afterthought for the other kids. Like my other three siblings, um, they are all like really close together. Um, I wouldn't say they're close. But they're just all, closer in age. But closer in age. So they had a whole lifetime really before I came along. And they can relate to one another because they're in that same age group. Yeah. We're yet- n- totally unrelatable. Totally unrelatable. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. So again, that, that expectation of, um, again, I looked older than I was. So yeah, it was always anxiety, um, on performance, I think, and looking after things and uh, again, no fault to any one of my family. It's just, that's the way it was. Mm-hmm. Well, that's just the way that they treated you. Yeah. And it wasn't like a bad thing. It was just, it was just, it is. I mean, they were raising their own kids. Right. So, you know, having me tag along as a child, it was just an extra child. Right. So, yeah. And so. It, there's the difference between that Eastern European mentality as well, right? It's, um, you know, you just, you work. You're just hard workers. You work, work, work. You grind, grind, grind. You do, do, do. Yeah. And stoic, stoic, stoic. Right. So anytime you were sad or feeling anything but happy, um, it wasn't ever recognized. It was like, if you're feeling really sad, you go into another room and cry and get over it and then come back when you're better. So no, so there's no nurturing aspect going on here. There was no here. nurturing for emotional well-being at all. So you weren't even allowed to be emotional, essentially, unless you were happy. Unless we were happy. So then you had to fake being happy. I guess, and we just did. And I mean, I now looking back, of course, I see my mother faking happy all the time. Right. Um, my dad was an emotional person, very emotional. My brother, 
very emotional and probably because of this has the emotional IQ of a baby, um, hasn't progressed at all. And he's now 65. Okay. Um, so, so that there would was be like arrested development. Very right. much so. Okay. And that's yep. because of the way your mom and dad were treating him as opposed to the way they were treating you. Yeah. Just different. But I mean, again, we weren't allowed to show emotion, right? Mm-hmm. So we, all of us, I think as family, not doing any work, you know, with counselors on this, it just kind of, um, yeah, now it's interesting. Cause now like all, I only talk to one sibling. <laughs> Right. So um, because of anxiety and I just want to have a peaceful life. Right. And so so something that you had said in our kind of prep before this mm -hmm. was that um, it was ingrained in you as a child that you weren't smart enough. Yeah. um, What what is that? I think my family, um, a lot of bullying. Um, Again, it's that old just work hard, work hard. Um, So my brother definitely grew up to be a bully. Um, again, almost 15 years older than me. And all I ever heard was from him was you're so stupid, you're ugly, you're fat. And I heard that one all the time. So I never, ever thought I was smart enough to excel in school. So when I was in high school, I took art classes and I actually ended up winning some artistic achievement awards. Yeah. But, and I was also a very athletic person. So I was kind of a closeted artist. (laughs) So when my friends, when I actually won this in front of the school, everyone was like, what? (laughs) Um, Very small school because it was a farm community. Five Um, people in the class. So yeah. And I never thought I had the capabilities to, you know, go to university. So I ended up going to art school. Right. Because that was something that you had said as well, that you chose art as a lesser discipline. Absolutely. Art is a definitely lesser discipline in my mind growing up um, and going to school because, um, you know, you didn't need to be smart to be an artist, which is absolutely ridiculous. But I knew I wouldn't be writing like as many exams um, because I knew I had an issue with that. Um, when I was in second year art school, I found out I had a huge learning disability, which my whole family is afflicted by, um, that we're dyslexic. So, oh, so your family's dyslexic. So you are dyslexic as well. Yeah. Right. And uh, it was one of my profs that said, I was telling her how hard it was to write and, you know, like just write things down and make a coherent paper. Um, because that's not how my mind works. I'm a very visual person and I've been a very visual learner, but at the time, like not everything has changed since then as far as academics and learning. Right. Um, and so I was like, oh, well this makes sense. Cause my brother only has grade eight education, I think. Wow. And um, that, okay. Never reads because again, I think we're very dyslexic and we just need to learn the way we learn. And I know my youngest or second youngest nephew has some learning disability with being dyslexic as well. But because he came up way later in the ranks, he did get some help for it. Okay. Because things had changed. Things have changed. Absolutely. Things have changed. So that's where, yeah, all this anxiety came up thinking, you know, we're all stupid. Um, Well, for you, you, that's certainly how you felt. That was a huge thing. Stupid, ugly, lazy. And that's because of the bullying, mostly from your brother. Yeah, which I'm assuming my dad probably lent all the way down. I mean, it all it comes from somewhere. It doesn't come from it's anywhere. Generational. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was a definite typical Southern Alberta redneck, racist, homophobic family that I grew up in. Wow. So um, when I went to art school when I was 18 and um, got to move into the big city 
and meet people of different religion, color, sexual orientation. It was like, oh, I was like, I felt it at actually really at ease that I found my tribe. Okay. Yeah, because my family was not my tribe. Wow. They're, so, they're, they're your blood, they're your history, but they're not They your weren't my people. tribe. And yeah, finding, you know, new friends that were so free spirit, all of that, and supportive and everything else was great. But then I think at the end of every semester or end of every year, I was totally stressed with anxiety trying to do exams and everything else and, and wanted to quit every year, but I never did. I kept I kept going. Right. Because um, I wanted to finish and I did. So you had severe exam anxiety. Oh, always. And performance anxiety. Because I mean, a crit, like we'd have final critique on all of our semester's work. Right. Which we'd have to have like a lot of work. You can't just cram for an exam. I mean, you can't cram for a critique. Right. So yeah, it was, that was intense, but I still managed it. It was like final exams for like English classes and, you know, our history exams that, yeah, I totally blew. Wow. Because I still passed, but barely. Right. Yeah. But I knew my stuff. So how did this anxiety um, affect you in your body, in your mind, um, in your emotions? What Hmm. was it doing to you? I think I was just totally going with the flow uh, my whole life after I graduated. Um, I was never afraid to do anything because I went, I went to school. I was like, at the time, the only sibling to ever get any secondary education. Um, so I'm like, okay, I can do this. Um, it didn't really come up huge until um, I went back to school for Chinese medicine. Okay, so we'll get into that one that yeah. one later because I know that there's a connection there. Yeah. Um, so, but at this time, so were you even even though you were feeling all of this anxiety, you didn't ha- did you have an awareness of it? Absolutely not. It was normal to me. It was always normal to be that scared, that awful feeling all the time because that's all I've ever known from a child, right, like because young young child. They always. No one told you any differently. Differently. No one taught you any differently. No. Absolutely no. So that was just your real real world was just being this anxious and feeling this anxious and scared. Yeah, all the time. Okay. And that's wow. what anxiety, because you don't know if you have not had anxiety and then get anxiety, then at least you can go, oh, what the hell is this feeling, right? Right. Whereas if you have had it constantly your whole life, it, it's normal. You don't know any different? No, like the, you don't, it's normal. That's with me in depression, right? I didn't know that I was always in depression because it was something that I was always in. So yeah. I didn't know that there so was a difference. N- to you, that's your normal life. Exactly. Where this, now that I have no anxiety and I do get it once in a while, it's like, whoa, how did I survive this long? Right. And do what I do for this long with this. Right. So Okay, amazing. Wow. So your second semester of art school. Again, this was part of our um, prep talk before then. Uh, You said you lost your shit in your second semester. Was this because of your exams? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was exams and writing papers. And that's when I went to my instructor, my prof and said, look, I'm having a heck of a time. I don't like, if you could just talk to me through this, I would probably get an A. But if I have to actually put it all into words, write it down, all of that, I said, I, I don't understand. Like, I can't, I physically can't do it. And that's when she was like, oh, well, maybe you have a learning disability. And then I was like, lost it. Because why didn't anyone catch this in the second year of, like, of college? Right. Um, 
yeah. And I just, I was just done. And I remember ditching my car. I remember having to, um, I ditched my car, walked home because my parents live on the farm. It was winter. No, it wasn't winter. It was May and, or April. And anyways, I just, I lost my shit, went and laid down in bed. And my mom, everyone was like, oh, what's wrong with Mel? What's wrong with Mel? And everyone, my mom was like, leave her alone. Just let her get like, just, there was no help. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Right. It was like, I had to like sort it all out in my head again, in my heart, and then shake it off and then come back and join the family. Well, didn't, didn't you refer to it as them saying, oh, she's having an episode? Yeah. Yeah. Having an episode. I must have had more episodes than, than I realized because, yeah, the episode. And then everyone was like, oh, 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 okay, we won't talk about it. Wow. So it was so totally you, swept under a carpet and just padded nicely down. So you're going through this huge emotional breakdown. Yeah. Right. And like kind of to an extreme, honestly. Yeah. I mean, you, the fact that you ditched your car and you walked home. Like that well, was half a mile. wasn't a big deal. Okay. Okay. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm thinking from like in Calgary and going all the oh, way to no, like, no, no. right. Okay. But yeah, it was, yeah. I look back at that and it's like, wow, isn't that strange? And it was, it was totally, you know, we all have our episodes. So just let them sort it out. And it's like, no one ever, you know, it was nothing ever talked about that we should get some counseling for this or that we could sort this out or talk about it, it was never talked about. It was mm-hmm. just get over it and then move on. Yeah, because that's the, that was just the mentality. It was. And that's what everybody knew, right? Right. That was just the way of life. Yeah. Right. That's what they're doing. They're trying to do the best they can with what they got. Absolutely. And, and I'm, again, I'm not shaming my parents. I'm not shaming anybody. It's just the lack of knowledge right. um, for all of this because it's yeah. really come out in the last little while. Right. And, and yeah. like you had, had told me earlier, it's like you were discouraged to show emotion. Yeah. So you have to take that. And did you just bottle it all in? Like, what did you do with all of that emotion? Um, yeah, it simmered a lot, right? Like everything would be fine, fine, fine. Just bottling it up. And then all of a sudden we'd be at a family dinner and either one, and I'm not a big drinker, I would get loaded <laughs> because that's how I could handle it. And that's what we're just you know, self-medicating with alcohol or whatever. Right. It's a coping mechanism. Yeah. Which I'm really fortunate that alcohol does not agree with me because I have aunts who are all alcoholics. I'm not, um, I can't drink. And I think on my mom's side of the family, we were not drinkers. Like it affects us really badly. So it's not worth drinking. So it affects you on a physical level. Physical, absolute physical level. So none of us are big drinkers. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> which though. is a good thing. Cause it was never self-medicating, so to speak. Um, food, food is, food was my self-medication and it still is. And it's a tough one. It is. I have that one too. And definitely with sugar. Yeah. Yep. It's a, it's a real hard one. And because I grew up on a farm, food was love. So, you know, my dad would say here, eat more, eat more, but then he'd call you fat. Um, or who you better watch it. You're getting fat, but eat more. Cause you know, food is love. So that all goes into it as well. So yeah, it's a, it's a real tough go and same with my mom you know like I'm out working out I'm working really hard and I think it's funny that if we look back now to when we were actually thin and we if we were what's the it was a quote I wish I was as fat as I thought I was when I was thin I wish I was fat as 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 much as as you know when you look back and when you were like 19 years old and you thought you were huge and fat I wish I was that fat now oh (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Yes, I do. It's yes, like, I do. oh my God. Yeah, we're so not. Like we yeah. were, 
Yeah, not fat. We knew nothing. We knew nothing, but we we were thin and beautiful and whatever. Not that that's important, but it was, you know, just all of that. And my mom would say, oh, you should only eat one muffin. Wow. Like just, it was always that. And, you know, but my brother could get away and do whatever. Oh, man. So so sexism going on there. Oh, absolutely. Oh, for sure. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. Terrible. So it was okay for the boys, but it wasn't okay for the girls. Yeah. Don't get fat. You won't get a husband. Oh, wow. So there's not a stigma that you're putting out there. Well, and it was like that because it's like, you know, the man rules the roost. And because my parents were also quite Christian and religious... That all came into like, you know, all that negative connotation about man rules the house and women is subservient, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was like always growing up. And I always fought against that one completely right from day one. You go, girl. I was always you the go. little rebel. Excellent. For, yeah, racism and um, women's, women's rights for sure. Yeah. And, and even just with homophobia, you're just like, oh, hell no. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, right. that was full on. Yeah. No. Amazing. Okay. Wow. Okay. So what is then happening with you? Cause you've got all this anxiety. You're not dealing with it yet, but now you're finished college, finished college, um, get into doing interior design. Yep. And I did show homes for a number of years. And again, I left that job with, uh, anxiety disorder and had to take three months off for stress leave. Um, cause again, wow. I didn't know how to deal with it. All I knew how to do was work. Right. So I even at one point went to a AA meeting um, because my workaholism was as bad to me, it was as bad as someone drinking. Um, wow. This was in the early stages of checking voicemails from your home phone and cell phones. And I never had a day off. I worked, worked, worked. That's all I did was just work, work, work. Because that's all you knew. Because that's all I knew. And I thought that was what you did. Um, so that's been a really hard one. Even to this day, I'm far more balanced with my work Um work life, but it's, I'm 50 years old. So it's taken me this long right. to, um, get some life work balance. Right. And I remember you actually were telling me that you actually had a passion for architecture, that you wanted to go into architecture and into the design of it, which is a really technical field. Yeah. I have, I have a pretty decent brain for, um, for technical and figuring out how things work. Plus I also have a creative brain um, so yeah, it would have been a lovely career had I gone, thought I was smart enough or had the support to go into becoming an architect. Right. So um, that would have been your first chosen field. hundred percent. When I was a kid, I used to do like drawings of houses and buildings and I would build them up in maquettes, like small versions of them. Right. Um, all the time. Like that's what I did when I played Barbies. I never played Barbies. I actually, um, made houses. Awesome. Like that's what I did. I just made houses for them (laughs) all the time. So at least doing design work, I got to, you know, do that as opposed to, I don't know, something else. So, um, and one thing I have to say, one thing I always did jobs and had career that made my heart happy. Um, I never went to anything that after a day I was like, Oh, I can't do this. Like working in an office or doing anything, you know, like what I was supposed to do, just become a secretary or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, never, I never, ever did that. So I was very fortunate that my parents were actually supportive and says, do whatever makes you happy. So I did. Okay. So that's, that's a huge positive. That was a huge positive. Right. Yep. Right. Because you're, you're 
I mean, at, at this time, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at, um, you know, your anxiety and then your mental processes and not thinking that you're valued and, you know, you had the whole sexism and, and anxiety and everything that's going on. And so were you in a state of depression with all of this as well? Oh, yeah. When I had my real big lows, um, like having to take three months off for stress leave. Um, yeah, I thought, wow, I'm like the biggest loser ever. So besides anxiety, yeah, depression set in, um, all of that. Um, and that horrible self, like bad self-talk. And then, um, you know, changed careers. I got into doing film and worked that's in how that. we met. Yeah, that's how we met yeah. and worked doing that as well. And the stress and anxiety, I even think about it now and it just elevates my blood pressure because it's a highly, highly stressful um, industry. Well, absolutely. And you were in the art department. Yeah. Right? I was kind of doing other. Yeah. Other, so uh, it was duties. like the look was always on me, um, which is fine. I'm like I, that. I don't mind um, me because my ego says I can do it, but it was just the stress of always having everything ready. And it really, it's a sad industry for the fact that it really promotes workaholism. Yeah. That it's like long, long, hours. long 16 hour days and everyone was bragging. Well, I worked blah, blah, blah last night and I worked. And it's like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Most unhealthy people. And completely unsafe. Oh, Absolutely completely unsafe. Un- like it was just like, and I did that for five years and I'm like, okay. And then again, I had to leave cause I, you know, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, um, poor, like everything just went sideways. And so now your body is physically paying the price for for all of this yeah that was going on yeah so yeah so it was like I was done because anything I find anything that we have emotion based that's not working well manifests somewhere physically in the body Mm -hmm. so yeah my digestion was horrible I had absolute pain depression I just wanted to curl up on the sofa and just would like just run away I just wanted to run away right um and in the meantime I was that was I went my first experience with acupuncture is I had chronic back pain because I've always had really physical jobs. And, um, I went to see an acupuncturist and, and at the time totally changed my life. Mm-hmm. Um, took my back pain away so I could work harder. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Jesus. But like I mean, I just remember seeing him for years and he, him going, just shaking his head going, you need to stop this. You need to stop this work. But I mean, you know, we're in that when we're in it, we're in it to win it and work, work, work. And he's just like, what are you doing? Right. So this, this was acupuncture. Now, did you already go down the Western medicine, go to see your doctors, chiropractors? Yep. I was always, always going for Cairo. Um, doctor, I had a lovely doctor. And when I went on my first leave, I was like, do I need to go on any meds? And she was lovely. And she's like, absolutely not. You fix yourself, which I resonated with. And and she's like, do other things, but I don't want to put you on any meds. Okay. So she was like, Amazing at the time, right? Yeah. Because now uh, doctors would generally just give you a prescription. Right. So she, yeah, she's like, go get counseling, go for acupuncture, like do what you need to do. But I don't think you need any meds. Okay. So I was really fortunate and every medicine doctor, like Western doctor that I had never has ever put me on anything. They're like, nope, you need to just chill. Okay. So that's actually pretty amazing. Yeah, I know. I lucked out. Yeah. Yeah. And then, mm-hmm. so then you went into, into the, um, to the acupuncture and you were finding benefit from that? Because I was, it was helping I went for back? pain management that completely changed my life. I also then changed my diet. I changed 
you know, when things got really sideways and started, then I started researching on my own on chronic fatigue and stress and all of that and went, okay, so completely changed my diet, um, started doing meditation, um, and just really taking care of myself and trying to get that work-life balance figured out. And it definitely helped. I noticed a huge difference and it was a lovely, um, I find this in my treatment room now, people come in for pain and then they're like, oh, I'm actually sleeping better. Or, oh, my digestion's a little bit better. Right. So there's lots of other good side effects from acupuncture. Right. So you were just noticing b- before you ever got into TCM. Yeah. Um, oh, you- that it changed my life. It right. helped me with my emotions. It helped me with my anxiety. You know, I would go in and get needles in and start bawling for like an hour. And then I'd feel so much better and lighter and then go on with my day. Right. And then, so. so you kept that working mentality. Like, did you make the awareness and the connection between doing the acupuncture and getting this kind of healing to your thought process of, okay, I got to keep grinding, got to keep doing, got to keep going. Oh, that was a tough one. It, it, it did. And then my insecurity of whatever would take over and I would just work through it. And then I would go fix myself after. Okay. Stupid. Like, not prevention at all. Total acute care. <laughs> so you're just about, okay, let me work and grind and beat the shit up out of myself. And then I'm going to go get fixed for a little bit. And then I'm going to put myself back yeah, into the box. Right. Yeah. That happened for five years in film. And then yeah. I actually got out and started, I ran a great little store down in Inglewood. Um, and I did that for five years. And then, yeah, I must've had a midlife crisis. Cause at 40, I decided to go back to school full time. Um, I gave the owner of the store a year's notice. A year's notice. I gave him a year's a year? notice. Oh my God, who well, does I that? I loved it. It was like the best job I ever had. It okay. was like I had my own store. So explain the store. What is the store then? It was a small um, furniture store, like a small boutique furniture store. Right. Owner was fantastic. It was like carte blanche. Here you go. Like make this work. So it was lovely. And we had a lot of the same interests and everything else. And yeah, we worked really well together. And it was honestly for my, me, highlight of my career was running that little store. And why is that? Like, what was so special about that? Like, is because I love furniture. I still love. I still love uh, merchandising, and I got to like the whole store was the way I wanted it to look. So it's like building your house again, right? This is yeah. kind of coming back to the architecture and the yep. interior design. I'm and- a builder. Like, I love building things up. Right. I like, like you know, it's like getting a bunch of Lego blocks that all don't fit together, but making them work to build something. Right. I'm a like. There's different archetypes for people, and I'm I'm one of I'm a builder. Mm-hmm. Um, I love building things and then I move on to the next thing. Right. Um, whether that's working on myself f- through totally different ideas and different things all the time. Um, I go hard and then I'm like, okay, I'm done with this. Let's move on to the next thing. Right. Um, so yeah, that was, that was a big one. And I love the store. Um, so when I was the last year I was there, I was going to school full time at Wild Rose College, taking Western herbalism. And, um, I think I took some traditional Ayurvedic, some botany, and then I sat down in an intro to traditional Chinese medicine class. And it was just the first hour into that class. And I went, oh, this is where I need to be. So you had like, as Oprah likes to say, this huge aha moment. Oh, I had a huge aha moment. I had, it resonated with me like nothing I'd ever taken before. Ooh, so you got the zing going Oh, I had you. the zing and I'm like, okay, that's it. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to finish this class. 
then I'm going to enroll in TCM school. And so, I did the next year. So it sounds like, okay, so you're studying like, like Harry Potter, <laughs> like you're yeah, studying herbology and yep. all of that kind of stuff, defense against the dark arts, you know, yep. you're studying all of that, <laughs> all those practices to then, and, and then you found that TCM was your thing. You were jiving with that. Yep. Did you ever expect that? Like, was this a shock to you? Because it was a shock. Cause I took, um, Western herbology and it was a really heavy class, not taking anything for almost 20 years. And I had to write a huge exam, which I failed. Oh, and the instructor went, you are an A student. I know you know your stuff. Right. You have zero confidence in your answers because I'm looking at them. And he was the one that said, like, you need to work on this because you, you know your stuff. He's like, you know your shit. Like, well, you're a really good student. You know your stuff. You need confidence. Right. And I don't know how you get that, but you do. Because you would have aced this test had you had confidence. I'm looking at your answers. Yeah. Right. So then I wrote a big paper and aced that um, and went, okay. So this was a really good learning curve. Because again, I went in, I thought, okay, I'm good. Sat down, I totally lost my shit. Like wow. palpitations, sweats, um, forget your name. So when you have anxiety, especially test writing anxiety, our brain's nice, big, big, juicy thing. And when we get anxiety, it turns into a sizable walnut. Wow. It just goes whoosh. Like our brain does, like it's shrinkage. Yeah. It feels like it's a walnut and I know nothing. Um, so I was like, okay, great. But I, again, it gave me confidence to go, you know what? I still did this on my own. Um, I'm going to go to school and I have three years to write exams all the time till the big one. And I know I couldn't practice until I passed this big one. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was some pretty heavy anxiety through all of school, but I just kind of shelved it until I sat down on my first big board exam and totally failed. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. So here we go. So I, I just wanted to make, kind of make the connection of going like you were doing all this artwork and interior design. So all this real physical kind of heavy kind of work, but what was leading you to go from there into studying like herbology and, or herbalism, I guess, I guess herbology. herbology. Yeah, it's herbology. It is herbology. Okay. So I thought it was just a Harry Potter work, but no, okay. Cause it's funny. I was typing it up this morning and it didn't even come up. It called, it just calls it herbal medicine. So I was like, oh, maybe it's just a Harry Potter word. <laughs> okay. All right. It's herbology. So, but you're going from this huge physical world, right? And all this grind, grind, grind. What was the connection for you to then start to study you know, uh, herbal medicine and all of this kind of other stuff. Like what was that connection? Was it just from experiencing acupuncture and the benefits that it had on you or, or what was that? Yeah, it was. And again, doing my own research and changing, cause I, again, I had chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, but I've healed myself. Right. And I'm like, okay, like if I can do this, anybody can do this. Right. Cause again, I have, you know, that low self-esteem and all that. And I was like, you know what, if I can do this, seriously, anyone can do this. You just have to have a little bit of willpower. And once you see some improvements that you've done yourself for something like some small things, it becomes so empowering mm -hmm. and it's like, okay, my health is me. Okay. Um, and it's really important and I'm going to do what I do. Maybe that comes with age as well. Um, but it's like, okay, I'm, I need to take care of myself. So you kind of hit that enough is enough point. Yeah, I did. And it was like, okay. And going into acupuncture and Chinese medicine, I'm like, I can do this till I'm 80. 
um, I need to get out of the physical, physical world because of doing it for 20 years and lifting furniture. Yeah, I'm getting like, I can't do this anymore. Well, yeah, your body is just... My body's enough. Right. Which is funny because I do more, I do a lot of massage and hands-on treatments in my treatment room. Yeah. Um, But it keeps me healthy because I have to be healthy. Right. So, so that was the, that was the major factor before. So before we get into all of your, you know, your TCM and mm-hmm. all of those teachings and what you're going to share with everybody, that's not me farting anybody. When you're hearing that sound, that's my <laughs> lawn <a> chair. chair. <laughs> that's, I have a, I'm using a lawn chair. I'm giving Mel my awesome comfy chair. So it's my lawn chair. So that's not me farting. Okay. Um, okay. What, now what was I just going to talk about? Uh, yeah. So before we get into all the technical stuff, um, oh dear. So this process, so it was started with acupuncture for you, that you were recognizing the connection between the emotional, the mental, the physical in the, in this process. Am I hearing that correctly? Um, yes, but I was unconscious of it. I knew it made me feel better, but I didn't know to the fact that I know now. Okay. But that's because now you've had training and all that. Absolutely. And I've also, and going, failing that exam totally changed my life. Mm -hmm. And And actually, exam was this one. This this was the big national board exam. Right. So I could practice. Right. That is the, that was probably the biggest catalyst for me to change my life and, um, find out about all the anxiety I've been dealing with my whole life. Okay. So let, let's go then, because what was happening to you now you got your big aha moment. You're like, that's it. I need to study, you know, traditional Chinese medicine. This is my thing. Describe that process and that journey. Because the, like you just said, this came up to right into that exam, you know? Yeah. Poof. So I knew I had to write this huge exam, but again, I've never been afraid to do anything, which is nice. I just unconsciously dive in. So I did. I registered, I had a friend, the instructor that was teaching the introduction to TCM, um, was a fourth year student at the school that a friend of mine just graduated from, who was also teaching from rules have changed since then. But anyways, and who this one woman is one of my mentors. And, um, I went and talked to her and you could also get student loans for, I know it sounds ridiculous, but it does come down to money. Because education's not cheap. Oh, no. Oh, no. And it's totally um, so I yeah, talked to her. I went to the school that she that they, these two people had graduated from and went, you know what? This is, it just resonated with me. Um, so I decided to go. I just jumped in. So I went to yeah, Wild Rose for a year. Had to wait like, what, six months, five months before our fall, um, before the fall semester started right, at right. TCM school. So I did. I waited and I got in and started school, quit my job, everything. Well, part time. I still was working part time. Mm-hmm. Um, got but yeah. student loans. Did got my student. No. Yeah. Anyways, things worked out and I got to school. Sweet. Yep. And I knew I was going to have to write this board exam again, held over my head. And I knew that, but I thought, you know what? Three years of like really hard exams in school would prepare me for that. Right. And those... I don't know why, because maybe there wasn't so much stress put on them. Like if you fail, you're not going to lose your license or not get your license. Right. Where this big board exam, if you don't pass, you don't get your license. Wow. So So you can't practice. So it's like four years wasted. Wow. So it's, it's big. And then, so how long, okay, well, we'll, okay. I'll guess. I was going to say, how long do you have to wait before uh, finishing the exam? And in your case that you, you didn't pass, how long would it be until you could do the next one again? When I was writing my exams, um, everything has changed since then. I was right in the middle of our whole industry changing. Right. Um, ours was an Alberta provincial exam. It was a four-hour 
200 question multiple choice in the morning. Oh my God. Then in the afternoon, it was two more exams. And then the next day was all practical. This is pretty extreme. It's very, and it's a, it's heavy. It's intense. It's yeah. intense. So it's a whole weekend of absolutely everything you could possibly know. Um, and so we've all studied, all studied, and there's point location, there's safety, there's all of these different stations, there's pulse, like there was so much that it's not as big now. Um, so yeah, so the first off is our, our 400 or 200 question four hour exam. Right. And again, that's where sitting in my class and I knew a bunch of people, it wasn't like, and I kind of tried to visualize it and fix it on my own and went, you know, you can, you can do this. Because you were preparing for three years. I was years. preparing. Yeah, we were at school. That was what, like, the huge mandate of the school is to prepare you for this exam. Right. And again, sat down. I got my test pamphlet and I couldn't even remember my name. <gasps> and oh, so man. I was just, I went blank. My, my brain was a walnut. Um, I had cold sweats. I could have started crying and I'm like, nope. So I tried to fight it. But when your brain's that small, you don't remember anything. So, I mean, I missed it by 1%. Wow. I missed passing by 1%. Oh my God. So close. But what was happening? Like, how did you get through that then going, I can't remember my name. Do, do I, you know, are you, are I just, you going through I the questions? I sat there and, and just... went, okay, breathe, breathe. Um, you know how to do this. Look, look through the, get the easy ones first. You know, like do the easy questions first that you know. Right. Because there were some really easy ones, of course, because yeah, it it's, standard, it's standardized. Um, but I knew I knew I was done. Um, I just I knew I didn't pass, but I was holding out all hope. And when I yeah, like eight weeks later, when I got my results in the mail and I'd failed, it was, yeah, the biggest disappointment in my whole life. I, I remember that. Yeah, actually. it was it was heavy. Um, but. Anyways, I went, okay. So then it was like, you know, I was really depressed actually for probably a pretty long time. Um, and I went, okay, I need to fix this. So I did. So, so what did you counseling. do? What did you do? I signed up for, and again, I'm a student. So we all, all of the students, we write our exams in the third year. Um, you have to have a certain amount of hours to write the exam, like school hours. And then um, it's optional to take fourth year. So we all wrote ours in our third year. So I still had fourth year to go. So I'm like, okay. Okay. So, and then I went to Beijing and did my practicum. So you um, went to China? In China. Yeah. How was that? It was amazing. It was okay. yin yang all the time. It was a love hate relationship. And yin if yang. anyone. Explain yin yang. Oh, yin and yang. It's, um, that symbol that everybody thinks oh, about Because we say yin yang. Yeah. It's not. It's A's are not pronounced A right. in China. It's ah. Ah, like okay. the Yangtze River. It's not the Yangtze River. It's okay. the Yangtze River. So this is for our listeners. We're getting, yes, it's we're, yin and yang. It's proper pronunciation. Yes, it's yin and yang. yang. Okay. Um, Keep going. So anyways, um, so yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was interesting and it was life changing for sure. Um, and then I had to come back, went for counseling and studied and studied and studied and studied. Let's talk about the counseling. Okay. What, what was there? Why did you go into counseling? Because you're like, this is enough. I've had it. Uh, enough anxiety. I well, I knew up. if I didn't get help, I wasn't going to pass. Right. So I needed to get to the, the reason why I, I have this huge, huge test anxiety that I've had my whole life. Right. Um, so, yeah, I went to Calgary Counseling Center. I've um, been there. I was there. working with, I couldn't afford to work with, like, the professional, like, doctors. Did you have the sliding scale option? I had the sliding scale and working with students. That's what, that's how I started. And she was phenomenal. Right. And she was also a student as well. 
So we totally clicked and yeah, it was, yeah, pretty shattering stuff that, uh, we figured out and it was, it all came back to, um, trauma and abuse from my brother (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) calling me stupid, stupid, stupid. How stupid can you be? Blah, 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 blah. So that was all the emotional and mental trauma that you had experienced. And that's what was coming out through your counseling sessions. Yep. So was this the first time that you were then becoming aware that, holy cow, this is so much deeper than what I knew? Yep. I mean, I knew it was a little bit, but it went right to the heart of like when and why it happened. And, mm-hmm. and stupid was just a term in my family that was used all the time. Okay. So Even that- my mother, who was lovely, she'd be like, how stupid can you be? Right. You know. So the labeling, right? Because I, I talk about this in the mental illness stigma, right? About that we, you know, there's these labels that we have out there and like you just, stupid is one of it. Or, you know, if something is wrong with you mentally, all these labels get posted and then it become, you regress it. You, you make it personal. It becomes part of your personal identity mm-hmm. when the truth is, is that they unfortunately don't know any better, but they're harming us with these, you know, terrible dichotomy of words and we just take it in. Mm-hmm. You know, I was a little kid. Of course I'm stupid. No, not <laughs> but at no, all. But no, I'm not mean, I'm, but like we're not into as, we, we don't have the knowledge base of adults. Yeah. You know, we're not stupid. I've never seen this before. So how would I know how it works? Exactly. You know, I'm not stupid. Yeah. Um, and I'm not lazy. Oh and, God! Yeah, I don't th- you are so completely you know, the opposite. Of that, but but that those were the two biggest. Th- oh, and fat, um, because oh, food was God. love. Terrible, <laughs> terrible. So it was just like three big, big things that yeah we worked on, and I finally got control over, and we did some hypnotherapy. Um, did some yeah right before the exam, I had something to listen to, um, from her, and I remember walking out of the exam when I rewrote it going, even if I don't pass this one, I didn't have that anxiety thing at all. So it was like, hallelujah. Like if I have to rewrite again, I can, but it was, I passed. What a breakthrough. It was a huge breakthrough, but also before I have to add this in before I wrote my exam, when I was in school, um, my dad was really ill with, um, late onset diabetes, lost his leg. My mom came to live with us for six months while I was in school, working full time, looking after my mom. Also split up from my husband, got divorced. And then both of my parents passed away six months or five months apart. And then I wrote my exam. Jeez. So mm, probably had a whole lot to do with everything. Yeah. Um, which again, counseling totally helped and brought out. Amazing. I don't, I don't know. Like I remember you during this time and I remember I kept saying to you, I'm like, Mel, how are you doing this? Like, how are you keeping it together? Because it was mind blowing to me. And I think that says something going and going. Well, and it says something to me about you as a person that the strength that you have, because it is not easy to go through all of those things and to have it all on on the same time. So I'm wanting, I'm here to validate you, my friend, that what you you went through during that time was completely difficult (laughs) and you handled it as a champ the best you could. Right. And I hope you're proud of yourself. I am proud of myself. And a big reason why I could handle it If I was just in my job running the store, I don't think I could have handled it as well because I was getting two to three acupuncture treatments a week. Right. Because we're all students, we're all working on each other. And if it wasn't for that, I honestly don't think I would have made it. 
Wow. That really, I think, really, really helped because I had a really good support system at school. Absolutely. And that's team, right? It was team. This is what I I come back to is having that support team. If it's not your friends, if it's not your family, for example, then is it in your friends and your coworkers and your students in, in somewhere that you have a support network that you can rely on? Because, yeah, going through all of that and what you did, you needed a team. You needed your therapy. You needed your counseling. And look at how far you've come. Right. Because there's so many people that hopefully that they're listening to this story going, okay, this is what she did and this is what I can do. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, human spirit's amazing. Um, But yeah, it was if it was tough, like I'm not going to lie, but I was just on hardcore and I just kept going. I just kept going every day, every day. Um, And I again, I was it's that fight or flight thing. I just didn't want to lose this. So I kept going and yeah, when I failed, I think everything just came out then because I started, because it was a huge failure. I thought I was doing well and then I didn't. Right. So yeah, like I said, I can't even, that was the hardest loss or failure I've ever had, including like losing my marriage, like everything else honestly didn't feel as intense as when I failed that exam, when I got the mark in the mail. Because that seemed to be like the epitome of all of the repressed emotions and the bullying and and the toxic uh, environments oh. and stuff that you were in, it, it's like it, just, it hit that pinnacle. Yep. And that, that was, was the ju- pinnacle for me. That was your pinnacle. Yeah. And I think I don't remember being any lower after getting that exam. Mm-hmm. Like uh, after opening my letter, even knowing I knew I failed, but I thought, oh, maybe I was holding out hope and I didn't. Like I said, I missed by like 1%. Mm-hmm. But that shifted you, right? Because this is what's amazing to me. And this is what I want to talk about was that shift. Yeah. Right. Because you, you could have you just. Now, best thing that ever happened because I went for counseling. I, you know, worked on my anxiety. I figured out what was triggering me. Um, all of that. So yeah, it's been, it's been a long journey, but a good one. Exactly. And that's what I find it is, is absolutely so amazing. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things where you talk about, we, we get these messages. I, can, I think it's like Oprah who had said it once that if you get the message, you know, or you, you miss the whisper, you get the message, the message, if you miss that, it becomes a problem. You miss the problem. It becomes a disaster. You miss the disaster it becomes a crisis. Right. And everybody, I think we all get these messages at some point along in our lives. Mm-hmm. Right. And you've certainly sounded like you've had multiple ones, not only just mentally, emotionally, but then it was starting to come physically. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't listen to myself at all. <laughs> <laughs> I do now. I do now. Yeah. Which is amazing. Uh, yeah. When I've had enough, if we're like, you know, out and about at night after I've had a really, really heavy, busy week at the clinic, all of a sudden the switch goes off and I'm like, I have to go home right now. I can't do it anymore. So I do. I just go home and then I kind of sequester myself just to get some, again, it's that work-life balance back just to get me back again. It's because now you've brought in awareness. You've brought in going, that doesn't work for me anymore. I can, I can do my little grinding for a bit and then go, nope, I know the after effects of if I push myself too far or if I'm not eating properly or Mm -hmm. if I'm not sleeping properly or if the anxiety starts to come in again, right? Because now you've built up a system for yourself to go one, okay, what do I need to do to heal myself? Yeah. Right. As opposed to going back into the depression and the anxiety. Yeah. I can feel it now bubbling up and it's like, okay, we're done. It's like, it is, it's, it's, it's now, I think from that self-awareness, that switch, it's like, okay, we're done. Mm -hmm. And then instead of like, you know, the old me going, oh, I can just, just come on, just keep going, keep going, Mm -hmm. you know, like the little engine that could. Exactly. And it's like, no, keep going home. (laughs) Right. And take care of yourself. Right. 
Because and also the older we get, I think the more I'm hoping the more aware we are. Yeah. Um, because I treat every like all ages in my clinic, and and it is it's every age. And mm-hmm. I mean, if you get some awareness at age seventy, yay! At least you have some, right? And at least you're getting it because you can start at any time. You That's can the start. Point. You will start at any time to get that feeling, and which is a good thing, like yeah. of health and everything else. And if you have, if if you are seventy, eighty, at least you're getting it. Exactly, because at some point you just went. I want to be happier. I want to be healthier. Yeah. Right. So just to summarize, as we're going to kind of wind up this part of, uh, of the episode, what are your um, techniques that you find are still profound, whether they're still the acupuncture and whatnot, because we want to just kind of summarize your tools and techniques that are really helping you because you want to stay in that maintained place of health and vitality. Diet. Diet. Diet is the biggest one. Okay. So for you, diet is the biggest one. For me, diet is the biggest one. I avoid um, a lot of foods that my naturopath pointed out that cause anxiety for me. Sounds weird, but anyways, they do. Yeah. And when I avoid those, I have zero anxiety. Interesting. So as soon as I eat something that causes like this, it's like, I don't get it immediately a few days later. And I'm like, why am I feeling like this anxiety? Like I used to, and not even close to what I used to live in. And then I'm like, oh, that's why, because I ate something that didn't agree with me. Can you give some examples of um, what would my, cause... My big one is citrus. Okay. I know it sounds fruits. crazy, but I'm, I've had, I've been, since I cut out a huge part of, like, I don't do citrus, maybe once in a while, um, it has completely changed my anxiety level. I don't have anxiety anymore. Oh my God. That's like, like mind-blowing. I, like, I never heard of that. Yeah. And so now I'm like, when I get a little anxiety, I'm freaked out because I'm like, what the hell did I eat? Was there something in this? Whatever, whatever. Right. Um, but yeah, if I really, really watch what I'm eating... Um, it really, really helps with my anxiety level. Okay, so citrus. So this is for our listeners. We're not saying don't eat citrus. No, no, this, this is this is just for you, Mel. Everything that I've learned about diet therapy, it's like and nutrition, I've kind of thrown out um, because I was, you know, we, we we need to eat lots of citrus to cleanse our liver. Blah blah, like all of that stuff. And since I've and I always thought I had a gluten and dairy intolerance, and I grew up on a dairy farm. Um, and I had huge environmental allergies as a kid. Like I'd end up near death experience at the age of four because my throat closed and anaphylaxis, blah, blah, blah. Um, but we always had orange juice in the morning right? from concentrate. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, and yeah, like I, I think I've always had that. So then anything dairy or wheat, I would feel it. And I quit dairy and wheat for 15 years. Um, now that I've changed my whole diet for, for a different way, and have no anxiety, I can eat all the things that I could. I couldn't eat broccoli before, and now I can. Okay. Like, it's really weird. So yeah. I've everything that I've learned about nutrition in all the years of school and everything I've done, I've kind of thrown out the window. Right. Um, we're all so multifaceted, different individuals. Different body types. With different body types, different backgrounds, different genes, different everything. It's a real tough thing to figure out what works for you. So what would, where would you recommend someone go to start discovering? Because I know, like I struggle obviously with diet myself. Like I don't even know where I would. I would honestly start with an elimination diet. Okay. Yep. And then once you have everything eliminated, when you start introducing things, because this citrus thing, I knew I did an elimination diet years ago and I'd have an orange. 
and which who doesn't love oranges? Yeah. And all of a sudden, boom, my nose would be like, I would totally feel an allergic reaction to an orange. Wow. Okay. So I I totally ignored it and ate like I was up to using a bag of lemons a week in my water. Um, there's also citric acid in everything cause it's a natural preservative. Right. Um, so yeah, I, now I like really, really watch everything and I'm pretty much cook all the time myself anyways. Right. Okay. So diet is the biggest thing for you. For me. For, uh, for maintaining yep. a, a calm disposition. Yep. What else do you have? Do you still use counseling? Do you still do, um, um I, acupuncture? I do acupuncture. I give my, I give myself when I'm feeling again, like I'm floating up there to almost anxiety level. It's like, okay, time, take a break and I'll give myself acupuncture. Okay. Either at home or in my clinic, if I say get a no show in an afternoon, I'm like, woohoo. <laughs> not that I'm pr- promoting not to show up, yeah. but you know, it's hard to fill. So I'm like, oh, so I'll give myself an acupuncture treatment. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. I find going, this is, we're terrible and I'm, all of us practitioners are terrible with self-care. Yeah. Um, I do see a chiropractor, two different chiropractors regularly. I also have a naturopath, but I'm feeling really good. So I haven't seen him either, but I refer him to a lot of patients. Mm-hmm. Um, um, exercise, you need to move. You got to keep moving. Right. Whether it's out for a walk. I walk my dog every single morning. And a dog has also helped you. Yeah. Oh, Max. yes. <laughs> Except then w- when he gets ill, then of course, like the mom <laughs> gene kicks in. Um, <laughs> but yeah, my morning walk with my dog is amazing. I don't take my phone. It's just me and my dog. Right. Walking so, in our neighborhood, listening to the birds. I talk to the birds. I talk to the trees. Awesome. I hug the trees, you know, cause Smell we're, the flowers. I love doing that. We're so far removed from nature. Yeah, um, and that's absolutely. a really important component into getting grounded as well. So nature, 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 food, you know, moving, moving, moving. Yeah. Yeah. And a dog. Yeah. And so, do you, and do you meditate? Do you still meditate or uh, do you journal? Do you listen to music? Like I listen to music all the time. Right. Um, when I come home and things, you know, if it's been a really hard week, I don't listen to me. Well, it depends. Um, I find, it sounds really weird, but I'll go to like a really heavy industrial metal show with friends, <laughs> which is like screaming loud, but it feels like it shakes every molecule of my being. Wow. Okay. And it shakes all the crap out. I know it sounds really weird. No, actually I can kind of visualize it, um, which is probably going to lead us into the next session, uh, section, which is going to be the sound vibrational therapy. I don't know about hardcore, um, metal, I know, but whatever it's works not for you. all the time. It's a certain amount that I like. Um, my husband and I, we were huge music fans. So we, yeah. we like to go to at least one live music show a month, whether it's big or small, whatever. Right. Um, but I find that when, you know, you go out with friends for a really fun night because I also listen to spa music and like during your treatments and stuff for yeah. all day, every day. Yeah. So it's like, I need to shake that does not shake it up for me. <laughs> um, but yeah. And it's not that I listen to that stuff at home ever. It's totally a live venue. Right. Shakes it out of you. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I know it sounds ridiculous. No, but actually it, it sounds really pretty does. awesome. <laughs> it sounds pretty awesome. I think that's what I loved about going to raves. I just wanted to yeah. move my body. It's the beat, yep. right? I need it's the beat. Boom, boom, boom. Which that, I love yeah. electronic music too for yeah. that. It's yes. like it shakes every molecule of your being. Absolutely. I love it. Like the house music, the deep house music. I don't need the lyrics, right? The lyrics actually bother me. I yeah, just me need too. That, it's just that, that beat. it's that vibration. Yeah. Yeah. That totally. gets into your whatever soul. It's soul music. That's what I call it. I call it soul music. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's why it's so popular right now. Yeah. 
Uh, still is. That's what right. I mean. Like it's, yeah. it hasn't lost its no. popularity at all. No, it isn't. And I, th- the older, yeah, there's a whole bunch of my friends that are all total f- festival goers. Yeah. And it's because I think it shakes the cobwebs loose. I don't know. It, it um, gives, it shakes yeah. things up. Absolutely. So this has been really wonderful. I'm, I'm going to, we're going to wrap up this uh, first part, um, which is just absolutely amazing. So thank you so much for sharing your story. Do you have any last thing that you wanted to share to a listener or we're going to wind it out and uh, go into part two. Um, don't think that you're not special and that you're not normal. Um, everyone has struggles with this. Everybody struggles with anxiety and depression. Absolutely. And trauma. Yeah. And I mean, it can be, and everyone's trauma is different. Yep. Um, don't think that it, it can't be fixed either because mm-hmm. it can absolutely thank you so oh my god like, that gave me zings actually because like it thank can, you for it saying it can that. all be worked on it can all work its way out right but you have to you have to also be ready to do some work yeah yeah so you got to start at some you point. you got to start at some point and unfortunately as humans we usually have to hit that lowest lowest point yeah for it to start to get better the crisis disaster yep. point yeah yep. so thank you so much melanie haggard i we are going to put your information into the blog uh so people can find your website we're going to do this in part two as well uh when we talk about your uh your tcm and sound vibrational therapy so thank you friends for listening in i hope you come back into part two because melanie's going to talk about traditional chinese medicine we're going to get into the details into the needling what is tcm what is um sound vibrational therapy and how that can help you heal it with your anxiety depression and abuse so stay tuned friends thank you for listening to this episode if you or someone you know is in immediate need of help please contact your local authorities distress center or professional care provider if you'd like more information on this episode or other topics go to my website ursulayourdone.com <laughs>